Emotional Cripples is an entertainment podcast which contains frank discussions about mental health. Listener caution is advised. Welcome to episode two of Emotional Cripples, a podcast about male mental health. I'm Tim Tucker. I'm Andrew Lowe. This week, happiness. We're going to talk to a neuroscientist, um, Dr. Dean Burnett, about uh, his book, The Happy Brain. We're going to talk about how there are obviously situations that contribute to our all-round sense of uh, happiness and well-being, but the chase for some kind of permanent state of happiness uh, is the thing that's making us unhappy. Yeah. He talks a lot about um, male uh, competition, the the drive towards the toxic culture of uh, masculinity. He talks about uh, how antidepressants can work in certain situations it's a great interview so it's november yes. as we record this which is a pretty tedious depressing time of year really. <laughs> it is so it is difficult to keep your mood up and we are talking about <laughs> happiness in this podcast and um yeah so it sort of seems relevant but this week to keep ourselves entertained and happy we've watched uh probably the most harrowing film of the last 20 years, I think, <laughs> which is uh, yes. um, about, well, I think it's about mental illness and I think it's about family and the kind of horrors, the sort of domestic horrors of, um, of sort of family, you know, issues and, and mental illnesses passed down or kind of, you know, the effects that they happen on future generations. It's called Hereditary. Ari Aster wrote and directed it. It's his de- debut it's his debut full-length feature, isn't it? It's amazing. <laughs> so if you if you haven't seen it, obviously we've got to be careful about spoilers because um, people who suffer from mental health issues tend to feel, um, I know I do, I tend to feel quite guilty about the effects that maybe I might be having on the people around me. And, um, yeah. you know, I don't want to burden them with the way I might be feeling about something or if I'm down or if I'm mm. whatever. And Hereditary, I think, got under my skin for that reason, I think, as well, because it's it's about how this... They're trying to simple domestic family situation, trying to cope. It is in the context of grief, isn't it, that they are grieving yeah. an elderly relative, and um, so that's interesting in itself how they all deal with that grief. So, so just to introduce it, it's a it's a family living in Utah, uh, and this, the the landscape is quite sort of barren. It's you know they just you sense that there's all these huge houses just planted in wide mm. spaces, and there's lots of space, and they. It's almost like the kind of mountains in the background, and it's quite a sort of barren place, really. Mm. And yeah, so and there's a family. There's a kind of uh, husband and wife and two kids, and a teenage boy who I think is about maybe sort of seventeen, sixteen, seventeen, and his and his mm. sister Charlie, uh, who is thirteen, and their grandmother who lives with them has just died, and you start. The film starts on, uh, you know, quite on a, on a positive note, on a happy note, uh, with her mm. funeral, well, an open casket <laughs> funeral, and the end. It and it, but it shows the effects of that and how that kind of um, relates to other different family members cope with it. I remember, I think her mother says, mm. played by Tony Collette, who uh, is great. I think they, just, I brilliant. think they chose it because she was yeah. in the Sixth Sense. But she she says something like, "I, I don't know how I'm feeling." She, she's the daughter, obviously, of um, she's mm. uh, the mother. She says. Should I be? Should I be feeling sadder? You know, should I be? I don't understand this. Yeah. yeah. And he says, her husband. Should I be crying? Played by Gabriel Byrne. He says, you just feel. You, sh- you know, you feel how you want to feel. You know, it's not. There's no right, mm-hmm. wrong or right way to, to grieve. It's a very individual yeah. thing, isn't it? 
But then yeah. I think the thought the film does after that is it spirals out and becomes, you know, you realise it's about much more than grief and about much more than uh, yeah. how a family is dealing with I that. I mean, that's, that's bordering, we're bordering on the potential spoilers here, but it takes you in so many different directions, doesn't it? I mean, just, just to relate it to the podcast, I mean, there are elements of how each person deals with grief from, you know, recreational drugs yeah. to support groups to... To, um, but you know, obviously, at the core of this is a massive breakdown in communication between the family itself. Yeah. Um, there is, you know, there's a there's a key male character in it who has his own major problems, <laughs> which I won't go yeah. into. Um, but uh, but it's relevant to our topic, isn't it? But it's also, um, I think, the scariest thing I've seen for a long, long <laughs> time in terms of you know, if you like that sort of thing. Yeah, I think what one, the main thing before we we're not going to do a huge review of this film. We'll get, we'll move on mm. in a minute. But I think it's something that made an impact on us this week. And I, the main thing I took out of it was this idea: the the most horrific thing in it, and there are some pretty horrible things mm. in it. It's pretty horrible scenes, images. But weirdly, the most the most sort of horrific thing that I took from it was just the idea that we are we don't have any control over what happens. Yeah. We don't really we sort of you know, puppets in some wider game. And that's mm. um, the mother to Tony Collette. She makes, she's an artist who makes little miniatures of the houses and yeah. little vignettes of scenes from her life. That sort of seems to be one of her coping strategies. She's, she's turning her pain into, into mm. art. And, and, but there's this real sense that the family are just moving around and being moved around this huge house by this greater force. Yeah. Um, you know, they don't really have any, so in a way, it's a film about fate, you know, about destiny, fate. It's quite a philosophical yeah, grief, yeah. film beneath beneath all the horror, you know. Yeah. And this idea that we're just buffeted through our lives by just events that we have to react to, have to control. Mm. Certainly, family as well. Yeah. Family is not something you can control. You're just born into it. It's interesting because um, we you know we've given a warning, but I actually think for some people that kind of intensity can be a great relief to your own mental issues, can't it? It's yeah. a bit like. Um, Somebody said about the blues, you know, the, um, you know, that was an expression of black people's pain in the worst possible circumstances of poverty and slavery. And, yeah. and what came out of it was something anguished, you know, right. and you can listen to it and you can sort of, you can relieve yourself of your own anguish through that. Do you know what I mean? And I think that that might be we're saying it's, you know, be careful, but but actually it can be just the right thing if you're feeling any of those issues, can't it, to, to see that objectively and participate in an artistic sense. Yeah, catharsis, isn't it? Mm. I sort suppose it like is. That, That's the easiest way. It's to a put way to. It. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If you're if you're actually, um, yeah, it's like a bit of bloodletting almost. It's like you know, you're all this pain is inside you, and uh, all this kind of you know anguish that maybe you may be kind of holding onto it. Yeah, because um, you can control. It's the, you can. You can experience the intensity of the emotion, but in a controlled way, because you know that you can turn mm. it off and get walk away from it. But the intensity is extreme. Yeah. I mean, I was literally gripping the side of my seat and gasping out loud. Yeah. So, but you know, you are feeling it, but you're feeling it in a way that isn't risky because you know it's controlled. And I think, I mean, yeah, as you say, put simply, that's catharsis. But it is so important. That's what makes art great, isn't it? That we can re-experience and we can get we can get a handle on emotions that otherwise may be out of our control. Yeah. Um, that's why art is so important. I actually think horror films, you know, they get, you know, generally you can get very pulpy horror films and yeah. um, cheap scares, but they can be the, the most effective 
like this film is a piece of art, I think. Yeah, I think they can. I think that there's a lot of empathy. I mean, you're, you're really getting your empathy kind of tweaked, aren't you, when you're watching horror films? Because you're, mm. well, as we've talked about before, the best art is all about trying to make somebody care about the characters or make somebody care about the situations. Yeah. But horror, I love horror, and I think it's something that is seen as a bit like heavy metal or something. You know, it's seen <laughs> as a bit of a snobby. People look at it and think, have you not grown out of watching horror films? Yeah. yeah. But I love it because for that reason, it really burrows right into the heart of empathy and how, you know, how we sort of yeah. react in the face of it. And it's kind of tweaking that, that primal response to, to fear. Yeah. You know, you're, you can, even though you're not actually in danger, it's, it's like a brain hack. You know? It is. <laughs> you can, you can feel it by, but and you it know, teaches you to manage that fear and terror. Okay. So I'm here in Chorleywood with uh, Dr. Dean Burnett. You're a doctor, aren't you? Yes. yes. He's a man of many, um, well, facets, a man of many facets, I guess. Yes. Um, and you're, uh, I've had to write these down, there's so many of them. It's author, neuroscientist, stand-up comedian, uh, Guardian science blogger. So, yeah. You've written this book, The Happy Brain, and mm-hmm. uh, it's sort of like a, a kind of a spiritual sequel, I guess, to your, your first book, The Idiot Brain, which... Yeah, I got that, yeah. The big thing I took from the book was that um, <clears throat> this, this idea of the secret to happiness is that sort of the secret to happiness is that just accepting there isn't a secret to happiness in a kind of you know perverse sort of way and mm. not trying to chase this pot of gold at the end of the rainbow or this sort of you know state of grace where you where you are just walking around just mm. <laughs> beaming and yeah and like that's, a game show yeah, so that can happen this idea that you can do something which will make you happy for a long time yeah but that's entirely plausible but it's not so much about that it's more about the idea that the abstract happiness can be achieved and can be permanent yeah. via these simple tips or tricks because that's, that's not how anything works in no. the brain. It's like, it, it, what's the metaphor I use? It's like arguing the, there's a cash point in the brain full yeah. of happiness. You, put, you find the pin code, hey, you're done then. Yeah. It's not It's not that. It's, it's a complex emotion and like all the others. It's very similar to mental health, isn't it, in the way that people seem to think, you know, if I go to therapy, will I be cured? You know, if I, yeah, I'll be like, cured. Yeah, and the then... binary approach is, is unhelpful. Like, yeah. yeah, I'll go. I'll do this. Then I'm better. Then I'm yeah. going to do, and then I haven't got to do anything anymore. It's, yeah. it's a very similar way that people sort of think, uh, seem to think about. Uh, not not speaking from personal experience about exercise. Like you achieve right. a very perfect, you achieve your beach body, well toned. Yeah, that's not it. Then it's got right. to be maintained. Yeah, you've got to stick to your regime. You've got to stick to the, the physical exercise you do. If you just achieve a beach body and then. Yeah. Straight back into it doesn't pizza. get frozen in time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you don't just straight sort back of, to pizza. It, it, it won't yeah. last in like that's that. what I was getting at really. When I, I think when I say about it's a work in progress, just as happiness, mm. the, the idea of um, is a work in progress. Sort of your your mental health. I mean, you are a work in progress, aren't you? All through your life, yeah. really. And it's every human is. That's, yeah, yeah. male mental health has become something that people are comfortable talking about mm. because so, yeah. because you know the general mental health awareness has blazed that trail. But you said a great, you said a really good thing in that awareness is no good unless you do something with it, unless mm. it's some sort of action so my rambling question to you i guess is um suicide is the biggest killer of men under 45 mm. in the uk and i imagine the statistics are comparable worldwide which is a terrible mystery in mm. a way it's an awful tragedy i mean what what is what can be done what do you think is happening that's failing so many men well it's a lot of it seems to come down to the whole uh, don't want to start talking like the, the online cliches already but the toxic masculinity the yes, idea of yeah. The male, like we we talked later on before the recording about you know, men are seen as having lesser emotional intelligence, mm. and I, I don't think that's necessarily the case. I think it's more to do with 
societally or culturally, men aren't supposed to be emotional. They are supposed. To, it's a sign of you know, masculinity of uh, male strength to be able to soldier on, to be able to stick up a lip. You know, the whole yeah, thing about man up. Yeah, yeah, man up exactly. Yeah, you know, sort of like you know, get some nuts as well. Like, yeah, the, the whole thing of you know, testicular fortitude. You know, the whole thing of having. Yes, associated with <laughs> strength, though, even though they are like the weakest, most vulnerable part of any human body. Yes, they are bad like, evolution. Yeah, yeah, exactly, really. they are now seen as. Yeah. there's a reason for it. Bunny sperm actually. Yeah, uh, the cooling. Yeah, keeping it cool, like, yeah. I said, like, evolution. It's not just like evolution having a joke. Yeah, the Saturni cells. Like, we're going to yeah. start to get biological. Though. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, so I think there is definite pressure on from a very young age to be constantly strong, but strong is now seen as. Not being you know, emotionally vulnerable or emotionally open, even it's sort of you got to yeah. hold on. Like you got to be the, the stoic one. You got to be strong and yeah. You know, so many images of it. Like in less so now because even things like the Avengers that we're seeing, like you know, like Tony Stark and his alcoholism and realizes yes. we, we've done bad things here. There's collateral damage and being aware mm-hmm. of all this is yeah is becoming more accepted. And all like people complain about it, but James Bond now he's like constantly haunted by grief and like the modern James Bond, the Daniel right, Craig yeah. one, the first one he lost his. Yes, is, and then um, he's been haunted ever since. But he's a human being, basically. Yeah, exactly. That's he's, the difference. He's not. He's, he's not a superhero. He's, he's emotional. He's, um, no, he's, he's damaged. Which yeah, is, in a sense, the one of those thrilling things of Superman is when his his powers are taken away. Yeah, well, that's, that's, the only, that's the only time he ever becomes really interesting because yeah. without his loss of powers, he's invulnerable. He's, yeah, he gets beaten up. He's he's dominated. Yeah. One of the problems is though, is these ideals of what men should achieve or what they should be like. Mm. Even like mathematically, there's always there's just the logic of it. It means there's going to be more losers. So if you, you know, with guys, it's all about dominance. Like I am the alpha and all that sort of stuff. But Someone's not, going to be the yeah. So the like, victim you, there, you know, yeah. like one of us is going to be the guy who gets the most women, or the best at sport, yeah. or yeah, or the, the richest, or like has the big, the best car. Yes, fair enough. But then all the men around you, you're, you're associated with, they don't have that. They're subjugated. Therefore, they are yeah. literally the losers. Are you alpha? Equation. And excellence. Yeah, so not, <laughs> you can't have a group of alphas, or if you can't, yeah. they only relate themselves to other people. Yeah, so, so it logically doesn't make sense, does it? Yeah. Not, not only so, just socially. Yeah, I think you, Robert, Robert Webb's book is great, How Not to Be a Boy. Yeah. He talks about that in there, where he was he grew up in a very, quite a, a sort of, um, quite a masculine father in terms of, you know, unreconstructed. Hmm. And he was, and um, his point is terrific when he says that you're, if you're told to not feel this stuff, eventually. But you're still feeling it. Mm. That guilt, you know, that guilt grows and grows and grows, and you can see how some men turn that on themselves. Definitely, yeah. I mean, there's no catharsis with that sort of attitude. Yeah. I love the thing where you say about maths envy or physics envy, as it were. Mm. There's the, just trying to get back to this idea of, of what um, of how mental health has been presented in the media and mm. um, how it's this idea that this bit of the brain does this and that bit of the brain does the other. Mm. And it is really interesting that that. The kind of um, psychology is seen as a bit of a soft science, isn't it? And seen as a bit of a, a woolly thing. Yeah, and it's, it's odd that people seem to miss the fact that scientists are also human mm. and they are prone to the same biases and illogical behaviours and prejudices and you know, belief systems that everyone else is. Yeah. And you know, you, you, you'd hope that they would be a bit more savvy about it, but they're not. You've know, seen yeah. plenty of scientists online, though, except on Twitter, who are clearly preaching to the choir and like Neil deGrasse Tyson he's achieved a lot but he's all like look how good science is if you're not a scientist you're not a proper person no. he doesn't sound like that but that's how his tweets come across to me like, I bet he does in his head you know, like, <laughs> mate come on mate we're trying hard to try and dispel this idea that scientists are all lofty patronising types and is he yeah. really sort of 
playing up. I suppose it. it's like what you're saying that once you do get to a sort of an alpha status in any field, there's mm. a responsibility there. But the geeks have inherited the earth, haven't they? That's the thing. The, the people who, who were seen yeah. were seen in the you know 15, 20 years ago as being nerds mm. uh, are, are now rulers of the world, aren't they? They basically, you know, your your Bill <clears throat> Gates and Zuckerbergs and yes, the geeks have, but it's still the same. Macho culture. It is like, no, I'm the best at tech now. I'm not the, I'm not the biggest or strongest. I have the best yeah. technology now. Like Elon Musk, like his, all his projects is I'm going to build a space tunnel to the moon. <laughs> he reminds me of Hank Scorpio. You've seen The Simpsons? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. He is like basically that. Hank Scorpio, yeah. isn't he? He's but sort of. Yeah, it's like I'm going to build a hyperloop across America. I'm going to go to Mars. I'll make, just whip it out. If that's, if that's what you want to do, yeah, exactly. Say, yeah. Look at the size of this. <laughs> that's all he's doing, really. Yeah. Gates is probably the first one, Bill Gates, and he seems to keep a lower profile. As he seems, you no, know, he's. As you say in the book, though, he suddenly became really competitive, didn't he? He was quite... As a kid, yeah. That's he was very quiet, and then suddenly yeah. this kind of rage, raged yeah. up inside of him, this kind of, yeah. rah, rah, I'm going to be the best. Exactly, there. because but now, because there are technological society, you can be the alpha male yeah. in, right in, in the technological But also be right quite here. a low-key personality. Awareness is a good thing, because yeah. if you've got a broken leg, you know your leg's broken. Yes. You know, if I'm meant to be broken, it hurts. I want to fix that. Same yeah. with cold, same with any... Uh, intestinal discomfort anything physical you think right, that's not right don't like that yeah. let's get rid of it let's do something about it whereas the mental health is your perception is all altered like when they're fresh people don't realise they're depressed or mm. Ian Bolteth the guy you know our mutual friend when you've um, yeah. he's, if you listen to his show he's yeah. in Here Comes Trouble he was in the middle of a manic depressive breakdown yeah. before someone pointed out to him that you're having a breakdown he's yes. like, oh, oh yeah I, I don't realise because you know, you're it's like you're in the car. It's, it's like the smoker out the boot, like or, or the back. You don't realise because you're driving. It's, it's the frog in the uh, the, the yeah, the frog the on the sock. That's the probably water, a better metaphor. Yeah. But I, yeah. what I use because you're in, you think you're in control. Yeah, it's all, it's all looking fine. But behind you, the car's on fire and the smoke everywhere. Yeah. But you haven't checked your mirrors. You don't think. To, mm, yeah, because you're in the centre. You're you're right in the centre of that. Of yeah, that experience. you're essentially in the ground eye of the zero. Storm, ground you know? zero. Yeah, you're. Yeah. Everything seems fine to you yeah. because that's your perception. It's your and perception. that's that's the the most important thing about why it's better. You need to get it out in the open because not only are people who are struggling um, finding it more easier to say I'm struggling, then the people around them will finding it easy to say Are you okay? Mm. Because I'm not. Your behaviour isn't because mm. you can recognise it then. The yeah. awareness means like you. Oh, is that what that is? Okay, good. Yeah, my friend does that. Oh dear. Yes. Oh. I'll have a word, you know, or I'll yeah. see if I can coax I mean, that can save people's lives, you know, not, yeah. not being trite about that. But we still have a long way to go before mental health problems are widely or universally acknowledged as being genuine things. Yes. Anyone's had a mental health problem, we'll have encountered someone at some point who just doesn't agree that they're a thing. Yes. Those people are still plentiful. They're out there all the time. Yeah. In any media story, like, you know, we're all happy pills and all that sort of stuff, that comes up once a month at least. So yeah. there's still this huge chunk of society which doesn't even believe they're a real thing or... If, if they accept that a real thing doesn't think they're serious or doesn't have any patience for them. Yeah. So there's that side of things. So when you go to a doctor and say, I have something wrong, it's like the doctor will say, oh, well, see, what, what it is, it's all about your life balance. But most people will think, right, I've got pills now. That means I'm genuinely ill. Yes. Because people are like, a lot of people are so, well, use antidepressants and so fiercely defensive of, defend them fiercely. So yeah. Partly because, you know, they depend on them, but also because... When you've, you know, because the way our culture perceives medical problems and health problems, when you've yeah. given pills, that means you are ill. That's like a, it's all like a stamp of approval. It's like, yes, you've generally got a problem. Look, everyone, I have medicine. Therefore, yes, I am not faking it. Well, I, I, I suffer from anxiety, and I took, I was prescribed sertraline, but quite a low this is SSRI. That was quite a low dosage mm. of an SSRI, and um, I did find that what what happened was um, there was a kind of buffer between you know the way I was perceiving things 
and the way mm. they were, there was a kind of fuzz. And um, I didn't like it. I didn't like that feeling of... Uh, yeah, it sort of being... gives a bit of a... It's like a sort of separation slightly. Yeah. It sort of adds an extra layer of processing. A lot of people will argue against antidepressants. And I, again, a lot of time I do think they genuinely have good mm. points on the hearts and definitely in the right place. But a lot of the arguments seem to come from the underlying assumption that A, everyone agrees mental health and depression is real and problematic, and B, everyone has equal access to different therapies or different yes. approaches. Yeah. Which is it's almost never not the true. case. No, so yeah. like you see someone like, well, you don't need pills, what you should do is uh, jog more or you know, <laughs> change your job and stuff. And then yeah. this person like, living hand to mouth and sort of you know, from broken family and stuff, they don't have any of these options to do this. What Dean was saying in that interview for me was about male mental health, toxic masculinity, which he obviously mm. seemed a little bit reluctant to use because it's been, become a bit of a buzz phrase. But, you know, that's fine. I, yeah. I know what it means. So that's why it's become a buzz phrase. And I think what's interesting is that mm. how, what he was saying about alpha males. And even in, well, it was really funny that obviously even in the field of neuroscience, he's a bit annoyed about the alpha males that have taken it over. Yeah. <laughs> like um, Neil yeah. deGrasse Tyson. Well, absolutely. Neil deGrasse Tyson and you know, those sort of mm. people who, um, and um, I thought you made a really good point about how we should be a little bit more open to it being a conversation, as you said earlier, that things are going to change quite re- regularly, instead of just sort of yeah. loftily stomping in and going, I am the Lord and Master of the Brain. And we are able to step a- away from, or at least take a-, a third view, a third perspective on some of our reptile brain yeah. um, activities. So, yeah, as you say, reflection, and, and yeah. So, you know, that's, that's something we need to really practice and work on, I think. That's what I try to work on, exactly that. You, you can't escape from that reptile brain. It will, that's where road rage comes from, mm. I reckon. You know, that, that, you know, people who just go mental because you, you, you left the, the lane a bit earlier than, than them or something. <laughs> yeah, this has happened to you recently, um, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I can tell. Well, have you, I, I've, I've had a, have you had a few road rage incidents? Uh, well, you mean me being, ra- being the raged one? Being the one raged at, where, oh, no, where somebody is way. shaking their fist. I've had it the other way as well. Sorry, Karen. No, where, where you know you do you can't you're looking at this angry face from another car, going, why is he getting worked yeah. up? You know, he's, I'm on the speed limit, mate. It's forty. It's a forty mile zone. I can't go any faster. Well, it's humiliation, <laughs> um, isn't it? We, we, I think we touched on this before. Yes. Was it in the research I've been for my writing, yeah. which is you know a bit violent in places, I admit. Yeah. But, <laughs> it's um it's a fascinating it's great though it's a fascinating it. thing thanks it's a fascinating thing i think because um i violence is about humiliation i think violence is humiliation at the base of it mm. male violence um did yeah. you spill my dream you know did you look at my girlfriend or whatever did you yeah. get into that lane first when i wanted to get there you know did you yeah. um did you not indicate on that roundabout and make me slam the brakes on. So it's it's a humiliation, yeah. isn't it? It does go back to, to the Dean's point in the happy brain and that searching for a, a state of grace, a happiness, and you walk around yeah. going, oh my God, I, I'm happy. This is amazing. It's never going to happen. Yes. So just, right. um, you know, you have to accept that. What, I think one way of trying to do that is to accept it's all a work in progress and and mm. and to sort of just see it as um as you know something that you don't you don't really matter that much in the big picture no, i think that's really healthy yeah. i think and instead of perspective saying perspective is, is yeah, all it's that yeah. thing of um you know if you watch 
watching a restaurant when someone, if the waiter spills something on the, on somebody, you know, on, there's an accident. Mm. If they like, this is an outrage, you know, they get really stand up and they've got wine on their shirt <clears throat> and how they behave yeah. like that going, how dare you, you know, you get an accident, mate. It's, it's not an, yeah. it's not an, you know, you didn't intentionally do it. And it's this idea that you no. are too important to have wine spilled on you. You know, you are, you are the, how dare you do this? Mm. That's something that, you know, if we can get rid of that, then, um, yeah. you know, start to kind of see ourselves as just part of this, flowing sort of work mm. in progress of humanity as massive humanity instead of instead of um being the center of the universe that's definitely the yeah. beginning of some sort of better kind of well-being i, do. I don't i don't practice what i preach though as i said i've had instances road rage since where i've just gone why did i just go crazy at that guy that's ridiculous um <laughs> I love I love the the fact that we have these two sides or more to us, but at least two sides. But this is why I'm fascinated by stories about um, you know uh, you know the sort of Jekyll and Hyde idea because I think it's all a metaphor for that idea oh, that yeah, we totally. have a, a side yeah. of us that is uncontrolled rage, reptile brain, you know, completely compulsive, and then there's a side of us that can rationalise about it. And I suppose the activity of trying to do that calm, rational check. Yeah. And that's what CBT does as well, isn't it? But, you know, do that, that calm, rational check as soon as you can. As soon as you catch yourself, your reptile brain or whatever part of your brain it is that reacts to that situation, try and catch it as soon as you can before. It works for depression as well. Yeah. It's not just anger, isn't it? It's like sometimes I can get instantly depressed by something. Yeah. And uh, actually when it's later, it's like that, that wasn't a big deal, you know. You, you, you shouldn't be letting that put you down into some sort of slide of depression. Yeah, so it's interesting what he's saying about because one thing that's always occurred to me and uh, is the way that we self-medicate, the way that you know, and try to try to find you know find our own path through mental health issues. And one of the things that yeah. one of the things that I do is I, I definitely distract myself. I just like you know I, I just get mm-hmm. involved in eighteen things at once, and yeah, there's no room. For the you know the darker thought, darker the thoughts, yeah. yeah, the demons are going. Get this fucking sh- shit out of my way. I need to. I need to ravage. Your, I need to prey your on your brain. thoughts. Yeah. The, the issue really is, can you? Um, <clears throat> I think people can. Over, you can overwhelm yourself, can't you? And, and overwhelming yourself is is really is just as dangerous as sort of sitting there ruminating. Yeah, I do. I do think the distraction is is a short-term sort of solution, actually. Yeah. I've, I've come to realise that I, I should probably spend more time reflecting mm. than, than sort of distracting. Because it, it, it came up a bit when we were talking about my personal issues with my past where I spent decades distracting myself from something quite fundamental about yeah. um, what I should have dealt with, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm just the same. It's like reaching for a sugary treat when you're hungry, you know. Right. It's like... I'll just turn on this video game or I'll just, um, you know, or I'll start a new hobby. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, instead, of, uh, instead of sitting down and thinking, can I make sense of any of this shit? Yeah, but, yeah. self-reflection is, uh, is interesting, isn't it? It's sort of, um, I suppose you, your natural instinct is to turn away from it. I think that's the problem. Mm. If you think, why am I behaving like this? You know, this, is, this isn't helpful. Yeah. It's... it's um, affecting the people around me or you know it seems mm. to be distressing the people around me or whatever it might be and um you know i'm i'm clearly i don't know difficult to live with and 
So let's work yeah. this out. And as soon as you start to look at yourself and think, what the hell am I doing that for? It looks mm. scary. So you go, oh, look at that iPad going over there. <laughs> let's have a look at that instead. Um, <laughs> I haven't played with that for a while. I suppose yeah. in, the, in the modern in this sort of modern era, you know, you you are con- it's very very easy to distract yourself, isn't it? It's e- it's easier than it's ever yeah. because you yeah. can you can you can't sit still for ten minutes without something tapping you on the shoulder, you know, metaphorically, some sort of notification or a little prod yeah. in the ribs or something. And you, you it's algorithmically designed yeah. to engage you. Yeah, yes. every time I download a new app, you know, is it okay if we send you notifications? <sighs> no, it fucking isn't. You know, I don't want another thing. <laughs> I don't care how much this is great and how much I love it. I just don't need... It'd be good if there was a know-it-fucking-isn't button, actually. <laughs> I think they should do that. I love that you're having a, 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 a sort of conversation with an algorithm and you're sort of, you're sort of trying to reason with it, going, yeah. can you leave me alone? <laughs> okay, so please do get in touch with us at emcripples. That's the Twitter address. Yeah. yeah. And also email is contact at emotionalcripples.com. Just to avoid confusion, we've yeah. had at emotionalcripples.com in the email, but in the Twitter it's at emcripples. Um, yeah, so straightforward enough. Also, we've got a Facebook group. Mm. Uh, if you go to Facebook and search for Emotional Cripples, I'm sure you know Mark Zuckerberg will let you <laughs> find us in some, somehow. Uh, <laughs> but the link is in the show notes. Yeah. So there's no excuse really, is there? No. There's just no excuse to not send something to us, to not give us some you know, feedback, to listen to it. Mm. Yeah, we put our time into this. Yeah, it's almost worse not hearing from you than if we got say this <laughs> yeah. is shit. As a, as a, we didn't have to do this, did we? We didn't. Have, <laughs> we didn't have to do this. We could have just gone out for a walk or yeah. watch the telly, watch Netflix, or um, yeah, you know, add some spaghetti or something. Absolutely. But we did. We've done this instead. I could have taken so up a new just... hobby in the time that I've done this. <laughs> so yeah, um... so send us some, some, so contact us. And um, next episode is out on Friday, next Friday. What's uh, what's in that, Tim? Oh, let me tell you. Um, we talked to Matthew Therese, um, who's uh, a health carer in the Southwest who works with autistic people. He talks about the challenges that people with autism face with their mental health issues and also relatable to anyone, not just people with autism or Asperger's syndrome, but uh, anyone who has similar conditions. So um, He talks about misconceptions about autism and Asperger's and settles a few myths, I think. Yeah. Uh, and I think a lot of people kind of have this idea that autistic people, there's lots of uh, like sort of rain yeah. man. <laughs> and, right. um, you know, they can sort of instantly count the grains of rice in, <laughs> in a pile and They're stuff. They're really good at where's Wally. Yeah. yeah, and that's a completely separate uh, condition. And, and he talks about the actual the, the behavioural compromises. And, mm. and also, this is a theme that keeps coming up in this whole series, which is normal, what's normal. Uh, and he obviously he uses he talks about neurotypical, and yeah. this idea that I mean I think normal is the problem, isn't yeah. it? Normal the, the whole the idea, idea or concept of normal is is um, actually yeah. more of an issue than um, yeah. And um, I think it's exciting that we're waking up to that that we're realizing mm. that there's no baseline for everything, and if you're not on that baseline, then there's a problem. We're realizing yeah. that now with with gender. Sexuality, um, uh, mental yeah. health, psychology, with everything. It's quite a revolution, actually, isn't it? Yeah, it's exciting. I shared something on the Emotional Cripples uh, Facebook group recently about um, mm. neurodiversity, uh, which is in danger of becoming a bit of a cliche already. But I do think it's a really important concept, whatever it ends up being called. 
which is tying into what you just said about what's normal and the fact that we embrace diversity in the way people think and respond. Um, and that's a big theme of the podcast, uh, the interview with Matthew. Yeah, sure. you know, we're, we're messy, aren't we, human beings? We've said it before, we're messy. There's no, there's no idea that we're, we have to be one mm. thing at all times. And um, I think that's mm. the way that we're going to evolve our thinking about about thinking about psychology and mental health issues and how we you know how we can relate to each other a bit better emotional cripples was devised and performed by andrew lowe and tim tucker designed by stuart bache all music by the weathermonger if you have been affected by the issues in this podcast uh, you can call the samaritans in the uk on 116123 Or if you're outside the UK and Ireland, check out befrienders.org. You'll find the link in the show notes.